Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. are back with another episode of Louisiana Ladies, and we have a repeat guest. I think this is our first repeat guest. <gasps> what an honor. Okay, Trisha. I can't believe it. You're like a big deal. Oh my God, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Trisha Gant Hollis. Not to be confused with Trisha Gant. That's <laughs> uh, fine. I've been called worse. Trisha's been in my phone as Trisha Gant forever, which is... I, I was little... Gant forever. For a long time. For 34 years. I know, but I just don't feel... It's weird that we've known each other that that long. Like pre-marriage? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a long weird. time. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So, Trisha is here. Um, as I had talked about on last week's episode, um, we are focusing on breast cancer awareness and also mental health awareness uh, for the month of October. So, bringing back some themes. And I wanted to have Trisha on because she does have a very personal story in regards to breast cancer and her mom, and just kind of share that story and how it has affected her um, throughout her life, and, you know, just kind of have an open dialogue about um, breast cancer prevention. Again, none of us are doctors, but we can tell you what our doctors tell us. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) And what we think. And you had said something when we were at lunch, maybe what something that a doctor had told you, and you know, just things we might need to question as women that we don't question, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so I will talk about that too. So we are going to just kind of go into it, but we, of course, do not want to miss our word of the ep- Oh, hey, Maggie. Hi. I'm focusing. No, that's good. <laughs> Let's get to the story. I'm all for it. By the way, it's a little early for Miss Maggie. <laughs> You're not a morning person, are you, Maggie? Um, not as much as you. <laughs> oh, we should have made mimosas. <laughs> yeah. We should have. Buzzkill over here. Yeah. All right. So, uh, word of the episode is... Word of the episode. Word up. Frolicsome. Which means lively and playful. Are we going to be frolicsome later for our tailgate? We should be. To get a little liquid courage flowing. Yeah. We'll be frolicsome. Yeah. Hopefully y'all got enough. Sometimes we... We bought a lot of stuff yesterday. Kyle went to go get more (laughs) champagne last time. Yeah. That was not for a tailgate. We started that party at noon. Yeah, see, this party's only about an hour and a half. Yeah, but we ran out of champagne, and he was an intern. He's now full-time, but he was an intern, and I was like, um, are you 21? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, he looks like a child. remember that we had really just bought the Prosecco for you. They did. They just And then other people started drinking it, so... It's their fault. Yeah, so he had to go and buy four more bottles of Prosecco, which we promptly drank until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Perfect. Yeah, it was great. It was, And it was a beautiful day. I don't remember it being like, it was in the summer, and I don't remember it, was it being the like super July hot. July 4th yeah. service luncheon. It was nice. 
Yeah, so, you know. I love this culture around here. Oh, we are. That's fun. We're at the funnest CPA firm. If there, if one exists, it's it us. Does. I used to think CPAs were not fun. And then one of my very good friends became a CPA. And I was like, CPAs actually are really fun. We're changing the game. Super fun. So here's why CPAs are fun. Most of us, even though people don't know this, have a work hard, play hard mentality. So we'll, we work really hard and we're really intense. But when we play, we play. I truly believe that there are certain characteristics of a person that will drive them to certain careers or industries and things like that. So I, I get that. Yeah, it's got to be. I think it's a type A personality. Sounds like it. Okay. All right. So let's go into this, Trisha. So just a quick reminder to our lovely listeners about who you are, other than your name. <laughs> <laughs> And so, now we know each other. Trisha Hollis. I, uh, by day, manage a local dental practice, BR Dentistry, Dr. Bankhead and Dr. Albert. We know each other through business. Um, by night, I am married with two young sons. And in my spare time, I am on the board for a couple of local nonprofits. Okay. That's it in a nutshell, right? That's, yeah. That's and we probably good. knew each other in our former lives. I, I'm sure we did. We, we probably crossed paths we at some point at school. LSU, at school, somewhere. Yeah. I feel like that had happened. I almost grabbed the yearbook this morning because I was thinking as I was getting dressed, I was like, that's right. You did go to Bishop. We had this conversation last time. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just weird. Now it feels like far away. How old it are you? Is. I'll be 43 this month. Okay. Yeah. Hello, fall. Yes. Okay. So let's go into this. So I, I don't really have like a great way to intro this, but I want to talk about your mom. Okay. Um, and just tell us a little bit about her, like not related to breast cancer, like some of a favorite memory or just y'all's relationship. Just talk about your mom. So my mom mom was Peggy, Peggy Hoffman. Um, she is, she's actually from Baton Rouge, grew up here. And, um, my mom was, you know, I guess a typical mom. She was very hard on me. Which now as an adult, I see why Mm -hmm. and that I I really needed that type of of mothering. Um, In our last episode, we talked about college and how I I was very, um, growing up, things were very strict. And so when I got to college, I did kind of go a little wild and crazy. But it was was good in a way because at least I wasn't doing it as a young person with, um, at least I had matured a little bit by the time I was making those decisions. And so, um, you know, growing up, my parents actually got divorced when I was pretty young. I was six and my sister was two when my parents got divorced. And so my mom was a single mom raising us. And there's a lot of things that I see now, obviously, as an adult and a mom myself that I didn't see then. And so that, to me, has kind of been one of the hardest things about losing my mom at a relatively young age is she wasn't around when I had kids. She wasn't around when I got married. So to be able to make that realization as after I became a wife and a mom and then not have her there to say, I get it. I understand that that's been one of the most difficult parts of, of not having her here currently. I mean, aside from all the other stuff, but you know, that's one of the things is like the, to not be able to fully appreciate it and not be able to tell her I appreciated it. I get it. I understand. So Yeah. And I can imagine those milestone moments, what, you know, having your children getting married and stuff. Those are probably, you know, for most people, they're very happy days and happy memories, which I'm sure they are for you too. But I would think also there's a little bit of 
pain that's associated with that. Yeah, too, there's always some bittersweet with it, you know, um, you know, she was a breast cancer survivor. So there were a lot of days that were rough for her and in, in just in a very bittersweet way, you know, I didn't, you don't want your loved one to suffer. Right. And especially towards the end, there was, there were a lot of days that were rough and you don't, you don't want that for anybody, especially your parent. So, you know, you don't want her here suffering, but selfishly you want her here. We kind of just want her to get better. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, there's always, it's kind of like, why can't she just get better? You know? So I guess walk us through the diagnosis and the timing of all of that and what, what, made her go to the doctor or was it a routine mammogram? So she always went in January for her, her well woman visit and she had gone, she was originally diagnosed in 2003, August of 2003. And she went to the, her regular well woman visit in January, had her mammogram. Everything was fine. Um, like everything checked out normal by April, she was noticing some changes and without getting too in-depth and too graphic for listeners and stuff, um, she was just noticing some breast changes, and she went back to the doctor, and she had a history of some other breast um, diagnosis, fibroadenoma, which is pretty common. And Is that just like a benign growth or something yes, like that? Okay. Yes, and so actually since then, I, have actually, I actually have those as well, but it's not anything you have to worry about. It is monitored and stuff like that. They just monitor the change in growth over time. But so she went back to the doctor and her doctor had explained to her at the time that it could be from caffeine usage. Um, she did, you know, drink Cokes and, and caffeine drinks and stuff like that. So he told her originally to stop the caffeine and then things just didn't get better. In fact, they got worse. And so by August of that year, she had noticed some significant changes. Her breast size had changed. She had some other changes with her nipple um, that brought her back. And so at that point, they decided that they would do biopsy, and it came back as cancer. Her initial diagnosis was ductal carcinoma, which is um, cancer within your milk ducts. Mm -hmm. And so she went through uh, chemo and radiation. She had bilateral mastectomy and reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And so that all happened, um, you know, between 2003 and 2004 and was then considered to be in remission at that point. Did they diagnose her? This is where I get, I'm a little ignorant to it. Did they diagnose her with a stage at this point? You know, I think it, if, if I remember correctly, it was like a three, four oh, stage. Okay. okay. I mean, it was, it was significant and how, at that how point. how old was she? 49. Okay. So that's pretty young. Very young. Okay. Very young. I yeah. mean, although you hear of it a lot younger yeah, nowadays, especially. Um, and you were how old? At that point, I was in my 20s. I was in my 20s. I was 31 when she passed away. Um, she, So interestingly enough, she was in remission. And for about a year, everything was great. You know, everything's trucking along. You know, she's going back in for scans. Everything is is great. And then she developed a rash on her chest. And so if you know anything about uh, reconstructive surgery, you know, they um, remove all of the skin and breast tissue and they take a a piece of skin from another part of your body. Right. So for her, she had a a piece of skin removed from her back and it was brought to the front to reconstruct the area. Mm -hmm. Try not to be too, too graphic. It's okay. Um, So she had, uh, (laughs) she had the flap of skin was removed from her back and brought to her chest to reconstruct the area. And the rash appeared above where that flap had been placed. And so it was interesting. And actually what was very interesting to me is that that flap of skin never had 
any rash on it. So if you remember, it was from her back and came to the front. Mm -hmm. So the only tissue that ever had the rash was what was left of breast tissue or that skin on the front. So she had started with the rash and went to a dermatologist. Her doctor had advised her to go to a dermatologist, as many would, with some sort of skin you mm-hmm. know, sensitivity or anything. And they said, well, we think it's just a rash and prescribed her a hydrocortisone cream and sent her home. Well, week, two weeks later, the rash had not been resolved. So then she went back in for another biopsy. And it came back as inflammatory breast cancer, which is a very rare and aggressive form of cancer. So at that point, that was when she was really in for the fight of her life. So let me just ask you a little bit about that, because I don't know if I've ever heard of that. It's very rare. It's very rare. Okay. And it was on, was it, was the rash actually on a breast or was it just kind of in the chest area? It was on her, on the breast area, but above where the flap had been placed. Okay. So it's kind of a football shape flap. Hmm. Um, And so they, you know, put that Mm -hmm. in place of the skin that had been removed. Yeah. And so the area of skin that was above it on her chest and below it is really the only area that ever had the rash present. Okay. It would go from one breast to another. The rash. um, The rash. Oh. Mm -hmm. So she ended up having to then go back into chemo. She was on um, all kinds of cocktails and and you name it, she was on it. She was on different medications that caused her, um, the palms of her hands and the the bottoms of her feet to be red and inflamed and itchy. And she had all these creams and it was, she went through a lot, especially at that point. The The first diagnosis was relatively easy as far as treatment went. This one, it just never went away. There was never a full treatment that would make it go away. If it would go away, it would go away temporarily and it would come right back. Towards the end in 2010, it had metastasized to her well, actually, I think 09, it had metastasized to her brain. And then in 10, it was in her liver. And kind of the last ditch effort, they tried a treatment that was a radioactive bead that was inserted to try to get rid of the, the cancer in her liver. Mm-hmm. And and it, it just at that point, I mean, things were just shutting down. And she had just fought for so long, for so long. And interestingly enough, um, usually prognosis for inflammatory breast cancer is about five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like on the money five years for her. Okay. So, so, okay. So let me, I'm just kind of making sure I have the, the timeline. So she did her wellness check initially before mm-hmm. the aggressive cancer in January and mm-hmm. April noticed some changes. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm listening. Somewhat dismissed. I yeah, mean, that's what I was, that's not what I was fully for. dismissed it, but you know, had said that it could have just been hormonal changes around that time. She had become remarried. My stepdad had had a vasectomy. She had stopped taking birth control pills. They thought, you know, perhaps it was just hormonal changes. Mm-hmm. It could have been from that. Stop taking uh, or stop drinking caffeine drinks. So she did that and she had gotten off of the the hormone replacement. And so I don't want to say it was fully dismissive, but I feel like maybe they wanted to take a course of action that was not aggressive at that point. And, you know, it could be these other minor things. And if we eliminate these minor things, then that could be all it is versus immediately jumping to, oh my God, you have cancer. 
I, I, I get that. I mean, I, you know, from a doctor's point of view, they don't want to, you know, fire the alarm if they don't have to. But I guess, did they do another mammogram in April? Or because her mammogram was okay in January? Yeah, they, she had she had just had one. So, so I don't feel no as though they that. felt like there was a reason to do any of that at that point. And then, I mean, just kind of as time went on, you know, I, I think she knew something was going on. And then maybe, you know, again, she's not here for me to ask, but... I feel like maybe there was some denial on her part too, or, and so, you know, then at the time, you know, by the time the summer hit, then there was really no denying that something was wrong. Something was, was really going on. I mean, one breast had gotten to be twice the size of the other, you know, so it was no denying at that point that there was, it was not caffeine. Yeah. So, you know, and I just think that, and again, she's not here for us to ask her, but I, I do think that this is um, a point to make for this particular story is that nobody knows our body like we know our body. Exactly. And while doctors have been through a ton of schooling, and I am not going to discredit that, I think it's just very, if, if you have a good doctor and you don't necessarily believe or understand what they're saying, just you're like, I think there's something else. To me... A good, and this is very opinionated, so I hope I don't offend anyone, but a good doctor, if you say, I'd like a second opinion, they will recommend somebody for you to go get a second opinion. That's maybe not even in their network, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Um, I think the one takeaway from this for sure was, number one, know your body. Mm-hmm. Number two, you know, I hope that everyone has a physician that they trust. I hope that you have that in your in your bag. I hope that, at the, especially at this point in our lives, that you you have that team of experts around you, whether it be your physician, your attorney, your you know whoever it is that you need in, in your life, um, and to listen to your body and know that you can ask questions and that if you feel like something isn't right, explore it. It's okay, and I mean that for me is my biggest takeaway. And, and we're not saying that she was dismissed, but I'm saying I'm telling you, I feel like if you ever feel like you are dismissed. You know, I think, I think sometimes we get in our own heads with that. Like, are we being a hypochondriac? You know, sometimes the doctor doesn't have a great bedside manner, which you should probably think about their, your relationship with your doctor at that point. And they kind of make you question yourself. But like, we literally look at our bodies every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting, um, yes, I treated myself to a facial the other day. And, you know, the girl said, well, there's a mole right here and there's one right here. And I appreciated her concern with that, but I told her, I was like, I go to the dermatologist at a minimum two times a year, you know? And I said, I'll take a look, but like, I'm, I can pretty much go to my dermatologist now. And the point is that I just know my body and be like, that mole has changed. It needs to go mm-hmm. cut it off, you know? So, um, I, I just, I kind of heard stories about people feeling dismissed or not going to get a second opinion. I went and got a second opinion on my Crohn's diagnosis and my doctor did recommend somebody for me to go to at Tulane, you know, when I asked her that. And I told her, like, I'm not second guessing you, but, you know, before you put me on this, like, lifelong medication, I'd want a second opinion on that, you know? So, so I guess for the, the, once she got diagnosed with the aggressive cancer, that five years just sounds just challenging. It was very challenging. And she was married. She was married. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. To a wonderful man. I do. So I have a very large family, actually. Fun fact. Um, 
we, so my parents, my mom and dad were married. They had my sister and I, and then they divorced, unfortunately. And then they each remarried. So I have a blended family. So my dad remarried and then my stepmom had a daughter and then they had two children together, my brother and my sister. And then my mom years later remarried and I have two stepbrothers from his first marriage. And so we, it's a wonderful, dysfunctional, great time. Um, so I have three brothers and three sisters in total. I'm the only one that lives in Baton Rouge. Everyone else is across the country. And so it's uh, it's fun. Holidays are fun. Yeah. I mean, I have a big family, not necessarily a big blended family, just a large family yeah. in general. So, yeah. Works. That's it. Big, big, happy, non-Greek family. Can you talk about how your relationship with your mom kind of, you know, changed during that time? So during that time, I mean, I think we definitely got a lot closer. There were a lot of things that, I mean, she had multiple surgeries. There, even without being too, too graphic, she ended up having a complication from her reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And so she ended up having to have one of her implants removed. That was really tough. Um, You know, I have not had to face a cancer diagnosis, but I can imagine that anyone who is going through, especially something breast cancer related, you know, there's something very womanly about that part of our body. And so, you know, I feel like so she was small chested to begin with. And it was a, a running joke with her that oh, this was her great opportunity to get implants. And so she went bigger than she had before. <laughs> and so it was a lot of fun. We She was one of those people that was able to make light of a lot of stuff. That's kind of my personality as well. So we did get a lot closer during that time. But then there were still a lot of things that I had not experienced in my life yet that didn't bring us even closer because I feel like planning a wedding, having children, I feel like those are certain events in a woman's life that, you know, bring you and your mom even closer together. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we still had a lot of fun. You know, she was very, she didn't want to be in the spotlight, but she was invited to do a lot of things. And so that was really cool to see her in a different light because even though we are a lot, very similar, I'm certainly more outgoing than she was. And so that was kind of interesting to see her go through that process. I mean, the, the, the paper did an interview on her. She was in a fashion show. There's you know lots of different stuff that breast cancer survivors are invited to do. And so that was really neat. Um, she had a lot of fun picking on her wigs, you know, because she did lose her hair. And mm-hmm. so that was that was one of the things that was really neat. She went blonde or blonder, I guess, because her hair was dark like mine was. So it was just, you know, there was a lot of different things that we were able to do together that were fun. So that was that was kind of interesting. But And towards the end, I'm assuming, was hospice called in? So hospice was not called in until, I mean, 10 days maybe. Okay. 10 days before she passed away. Um, my, my stepdad was her primary caregiver. Her, the company she worked for was phenomenal. They allowed her to kind of take an early retirement, so to speak. And she had already begun working from home prior to that. So that was a godsend really, you know, she, what was really funny though, is she would always get up, she'd put her hair on and would get her purse and would go to the, her office at home. And, and this her was company even was probably great. before like Zoom meetings. Oh, there was no Zoom. Really this didn't was, have to do anything. I mean, this was 10 years ago. This was 11 years ago. I mean, there was no Zoom back then. 
But, um, you know, the company came and they set up her phone so she could, you know, have phone conferences and stuff like that. And so she always did that. She always would get up, get dressed, put her hair on, take her purse, go to her office. And her company, she ended up was able to, she went on disability and then she was able to take kind of an early retirement. And my stepdad took wonderful care of her. And he would pack her a little lunch in the morning before he'd go to work so she wouldn't have to get up out of the bed. And so he'd put little snacks in her in her lunchbox and stuff. And um, yeah, it was it was an interesting time, though, because as much as you don't want to give up, there's a reality that you have to face at some point. And that was what was so difficult for all of us. I mean, none of us wanted to accept the fact that hospice was going to come in. You know, and and when they talked to her about it, it was, you know, well, when you get better, we can, hospice doesn't have to stay. This isn't a, a death sentence. And, but knowing, hospice is unfortunately, yeah. what hospice is, no matter how positive you want to be about it, you, you know, you kind of have to know that it's, it's primarily end of life. Did you ever sense at any point, especially in those five years, and maybe even her initial diagnosis, that she was frustrated? I I think she was frustrated that her body was failing her. I never sensed that she was unhappy about the care that she was being given. I never felt that she was frustrated with her doctors. I feel like it was more of... You know, she was so young and full of life, and here was her body that was failing her, and and that was frustrating. And yeah. that you're so helpless at that point. I mean, you literally, there's nothing that you can do. You just have to fight it. You have to fight and fight and fight, and and in your worst days, have to continue to want to fight. So, did the chemo and the radiation? Well, I'm 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 assuming she went through radiation as well. She did. So, did that, the, I mean, the side effects of that are pretty or chemo. Chemo both. primarily, okay. both. And then, so from the radiation, she ended up with irreversible heart damage and lung damage. She was on constant oxygen towards the end. Um, there were some close calls where we thought we were going to lose her. And that was actually pretty interesting because you think you're prepared for when it really does happen because you've kind of faced it. You know, like there was one time where, so she had an oxygen tank, not the, not like the, not a, not a scoop. She'd had those when she went out, but there was one, it was like a condenser kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, yeah. for when she was at home. Yeah. My, gra- and, my grandmother ended up having that at the end of her, after she got out of the hospital. Yeah. So she had that. And at one point, like one of the cords was kinked. Mm-hmm. And so her oxygen dropped really low mm-hmm. and she was like talking crazy town. Like the front of the house had fallen off and she was going to meet Ronald Reagan. I mean, she was like totally oh, out of her mind. And so we called home health and we, I mean, we thought this is it. I mean, we thought like she, like, bye, you know, and it was just that her oxygen tank, the cord was kinked. And so there was a lot of close calls and that was very minor, but there were some other ones, but there was a lot of close calls. And so you, you think you're ready. You think you're prepared because you kind of faced it four or five times and you think you've come to terms with it. And, and, and you know. When it really happens is like when the shit hits the fan, so to speak. So I don't disagree with you on that. And I feel like mentally we tell ourselves that, you know, they, our loved one has been really sick. And like, we know, we all know, I mean, I have not lost someone that close to me from a, a long-term illness. Right. So, 
uh, Jessica, who was on the podcast, her mom had passed away from ovarian cancer and that was back in 2001 and we were pretty close, you know, and we knew she had told us hospice had come in and, you know, mentally you're like, well, it's going to happen. This gives me time to prepare. But one second somebody's here living and the next second they're not. And I just don't think there's anything that, uh, that we, that we as individuals can do other than just pray and rely on God, you know, to really be able to prepare. Um, and that, that's why if somebody's on life support, I think it takes a long time for the family to make a decision, you know, because I just think inherently we're probably pretty hopeful individuals when it comes to that type of stuff. Of course. I mean, it's, it's final. I mean, there is a finality to it Yeah, that you just can't, there's no turning back from it. So, so you were 31 when she passed mm-hmm. away. And do you ever feel her? Like, are there things that happen that you're like, yeah, that's mom? So what's interesting is, you know, you hear about the Cardinals. You hear about certain things like that. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to ask me something like this. Sorry. My wedding day was the day that I, it was the most real for me that I felt my mom. So I didn't want to be outward with, oh, it's so sad. My mom's not here. But I wanted her to be a part of the day. And so after she passed away, there were a lot of things from my parents' house that that I got. Mm -hmm. And when I got engaged and I went dress shopping, bought a veil, and I wanted to, I had seen pictures, but I had not ever seen, you know, I had her bag, her garment bag. And I had not ever seen the actual wedding dress, but I had seen pictures of her wedding, her first wedding to my dad. And in the pictures she had, of course, this was the 70s, and it was like this crown almost, and it had lace on it. Mm -hmm. And so I, in my mind, went to the closet to find the veil so that I could take the lace off of this like crown, like a big headband crown thing that had lace on it. And I went looking for that because I wanted to wrap it around my bouquet. So I went into the closet and found the bag and I found the the crown. And when I went to pull it, I, it kept coming and coming and coming. And it was her veil and it was tool and it was beautiful. And it just like, it just never ended. It just, like, I was just pulling tool out of the bag. It kept coming and coming and coming. And I just stood there and I was like, I cannot believe this because when I bought my dress, I wanted a cathedral length veil and they didn't have one that I liked. So my dress was beaded and had a lot of detail and stuff. And I just wanted something very simple. And so just by accident, by me going to look for this lace to put around my bouquet, I found her veil. So I cleaned it all up. It was old and yellow and stuff. I soaked it in the bathtub and I actually wore her veil on my wedding day. So there were like little things like that, that I wanted to have her be a part of, but without making it all about her and Mm -hmm. stuff. So that was one thing that I did. Um, But then the day of my wedding, I got married in December and we had the radio on. All my girls were at my house. We were all getting dressed and stuff. And when I went to put my wedding dress on, her favorite Christmas song came on a commercial on the radio. 
And it just took my breath away. It took my breath away. And that was not a coincidence. So, you know, you hear about different things, and there have been other things that have happened, but that that was the most real, and I had so much peace after that. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Did that make you, while clearly you want your mom to be there in person, you know, did that bring you some peace on that day? Absolutely. To know that she was there. Absolutely. I mean, of all things. And it wasn't even, we weren't even listening to Christmas music. It was a commercial on the radio because when we were dancing a booty shake and rap music, we were having a good time, you know, and it came on. And so it, it just, that I, I needed that. I needed that. And she knew that. Firmly believe sure. that. I firmly believe sure. that. Um, so thank you for sharing that story. Actually, I wasn't going to ask that question and, and in turn, I'm going to make light of the situation. I was like, <laughs> what if I ask her that question? And Trish is like, no, I don't feel her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there goes that sentimental memory. So I really appreciate that, Trisha. Yeah, so, you. you know, I, again, I think our takeaways that I don't think we can reiterate enough and, and Maggie and Laney are shaking their heads. If you know your body best. Um, you know, a mammogram. When did you have to start getting mammograms? So, as I said before, the um, I have fibroadenoma, which is, it's like a, it's a little nodule. And I found that when I was 25. And this, of course, was before cancer diagnosis with my mom. But I had known that she had those in the 80s. And because she had told me that she had had that. And so when I found one at 25, I had my first mammogram then. So okay. then I had one at 30, one at 35. And then I started going every other year. Now at 40, I go every year. Um, and so, you know, that's the thing too. know your bodies, know that there are, there are testing, there's ways that you can, can go about it. Early, early detection is the best course of action for many different things, especially breast cancer. Um, if you cannot afford care, there are programs that are available. You can talk to your doctor or the hospital that you go to about that. Um, there are so many different resources that are out there because that's another thing that, that I'm passionate about is that you have to have access to care. You have to be able to get these things because if you don't, then it just makes treatment much more difficult down the road. So there are resources available in the community that are available to get a mammogram. It's October. It's breast cancer awareness month. Go do all of the things. Save the tatas, yeah, know, all the all the hokey stuff. Uh, and the mammogram, like I, I, I talked about this on the last episode. I mean, I, I had one at thirty five. I don't really have a family history of breast cancer. My aunt did have it. Um, my doctor did tell me like the older you are, and again, I'm not a doctor, just relaying what she said. The older you are when you get diagnosed, most and by older I mean like in your late fifties, six, maybe even sixties is probably what she was referring to. Because she knows my aunt um, that. It's typically not as aggressive. Not that it can't be, right? But it's just typically not as aggressive, you know. And so, when my aunt was diagnosed, they didn't. I didn't necessarily have to go through all of the stuff that I feel like if she would have been my mom in her forties or something like that. Uh, but I didn't really find the mammogram that bad. And I'm one of those people that I also have to get a colonoscopy every two years. So when you take a mammogram and you compare it to a colonoscopy, not trying to be graphic, people, <laughs> squeezing the boobs isn't that big of a deal to me. Okay, so. Uh, I'm one of those people, though, I'm just very much like, 
I just want to know. Like, if something's wrong, I want to know. I want to fix it, and I want to try to move on, right? Which is why I go to my dermatologist twice a year. I've got moles all over my body. I feel like I'm a walking melanoma. <laughs> I'm not trying to make light of it, but, like, I, I just, I'm at risk for that type of stuff. I feel like sometimes people shy away from it because they don't want to know. And in my opinion, because of the advances that they've made with cancer and research and treatment and, you know, I just think there's more data that really supports that early detection is is paramount. Absolutely. I mean, this was 11 years ago. I mean, she passed away 11 years ago. There have been tons of advancements that are that are available now and different treatments and and testing. 3D was not available back then. Mm -hmm. You know, now just even in the detection is totally different. Mm -hmm. So you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think as women, I think we certainly are more apt to take care of ourselves, but I feel like we oftentimes put ourselves last, Yes, especially, you know, as wives and, and mothers and stuff like that. But I feel like even though we do put ourselves last, we still are more apt to, to take care of things more so than, than our male counterparts. But don't put yourself last when it comes to your health. And don't feel guilty about doing some of that. You know, Absolutely. that, yeah, you might have to take, because I, I was so Maggie, I was like, I feel like this year, yeah, everybody knows I'm turning 40. And so I'm getting my next mammogram. And they just, you know, at Women's Hospital or um, Louisiana Women's, they schedule it just, you know, with your annual. Mm-hmm. But it's it's quite a lengthy period of time that you're there by the time it's said and done. And Maggie was like, just take the whole day off, Melissa, <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, like... I kind of feel guilty for doing that, you know, but it's just very important. It's necessary, you know, and we, I feel like we kind of try to like rush around and cram it all in. And, you know, another thing that I think I need to go get just to get is just a physical and some blood work done, you know, so. Um, and I think that's part of it too. It takes time. Like you have to schedule that stuff and like miss work and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. It's like you got to, you got to make the time for it because it's important. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I told my health coach with all these things that he wants me to do, I'm like, good grief, Mark, this is like a full-time job. He's like, it is work to take care of yourself, Melissa. And I'm like, can't it just happen? <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yes, I know. It's not the reality. So anyway, Trisha, Thank you. You're welcome. For Thank sharing you. that story with us and our listeners. Um, really brave for you to come on here and be able to talk about that. I, just I was thinking, oh, I was just going to coast. Everything was good. You're like, you threw me that curveball. Melissa's never really gotten <laughs> emotional. <laughs> oh, that was a curveball I wasn't expecting. Well, you know. It's all good. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm just interviewing you. I just want to get the real story out. Oh, you, this is the real real. Well, I feel like I would have loved Peggy Hoffman. Yeah, she was pretty amazing. And um, she was a good wine drinking buddy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she's probably around right now. She'll hear this podcast some way, somehow. I'm sure. sure. Um, so anyway, anything else? Any other words? Did I don't say? think so. Do we want to talk about anything? Do we want to wrap it up with something lighter? <laughs> not that Peggy, you're not fun, but you know. Oh, no, Peggy's totally fun. Yeah. Uh, well, do totally you have fun. any, like, fun plans coming up, Trisha? Like. No. She's advocating for her own health right now. I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no real fun plans. We talked about maybe taking a fall trip uh, just this fall with the family. Uh, nothing really firm yet. Um, so my oldest is in is in Cub Scouts. So mm-hmm. we just kicked that off this week. So that uh, we have a lot of activities for that coming up. They're going on a camp out. I don't camp. But the boys will go and we'll, you know, the baby and I will go for the day. And that's always fun. 
So that's pretty much just kid stuff. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're a wife and a mom, mm-hmm. especially with young kids, your life kind of revolves around what the kids are doing. Yeah. So. But you're a good wife and a good mom. Thank you. We got trick or treat. So I was very excited about that. Since Big Brother is big, he decides that he decides what we're all wearing, oh. and he wanted to do the Mandalorian, and had decided that the baby should be Baby Yoda. Oh my god! So we're gonna need pictures of that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, they are precious. So my nephew Major was the Lorax. Okay, one year, and I was like, "What are you?" And he, she, he's like, "I am the Lorax, Aunt Missy," and I'm like, "Lorax, <laughs> you know." Yeah, disclaimer, I know nothing about Star Wars. I know nothing about this. Somehow he does. He's almost eight. I don't know how he knows about it, but he does. But I know Yoda. I know Star Wars from our generation. Yeah, well, the baby's going to be a cute Yoda. Oh, he's precious. (laughs) Precious. And then he retold us that we had to be stormtroopers, which Uh I know nothing about. But we're going to, I guess, do like a family-themed costume this year, which will be fun. Yes, and you need to because Reed told you to. He did, yes. And, you know, he's very, like decisive he knows what he wants and yeah that's cute that he wants to do a family costume yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah I feel, like, like, I feel like some kids would be like oh I don't want to dress up with my parents well well not at Reed's age I have a few oh, more years I think I have a few more years yeah I was about to say but we're getting there with the older nephews mm-hmm. I can promise you that like they are I've said this before they are about to be too cool for school for their aunts and grandparents anyway but speaking about Halloween though Things that make us happy. Maggie put that what makes you happy is fall. Is everything. I love the fall. It is my favorite season. It's the best time of year. It's so good. I don't know if I'm a huge fall fan. I'm more of a spring gal. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm more of a fall kind of football, Halloween, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. See, Easter's my favorite holiday. Yep. That would, that's... We watched the national championship reenactment last night where, you know, whatever his name, Trevor and Burrow face each other in the NFL. And I had my niece saying, Lucy, little Lucy, saying, football. And she's get, just getting to where she can talk. So it's really cute. Football. And she kept throwing her foot in the air. Football. Oh, that just reminded me. I probably need to check my uh, fantasy. I'm not very good at checking my fantasy. Really. Uh, I think I'm playing... Um, a nephew this weekend. We have a family league. See, that's, oh, that's cute. Yes. And um, you don't have Burrow, do you? I beat, no. Um, so, Cooper, Amy's oldest, okay, mm-hmm. Amy, mm-hmm. you know, he's incredibly competitive. And so, I played him the first week and I beat him. Okay. Uh oh. So, when I saw him the next weekend, I was like, Coop, what happened? <laughs> I beat you. And he goes, my team sucks. <laughs> he goes, I know my team sucks. And so then something, so then he brought this up when we were doing the draft at the River House. He accidentally clicked someone and then it like moved to the next person, you know, when you do the draft. And oh man, that was an ordeal. But so then he keeps trying to trade me out, Camara. And I'm like, who are you going to get? Why am I going to trade you Camara? And so we're having this conversation. So that's fun. I like it when they get to that age. And, uh, but I don't, Patrick's always like, babe, you need to check your, uh, you, know, you need to check your, your fantasy lineup, lineup and yeah. now it keeps, anyway, that's a whole ordeal. <laughs> so um, we don't do that. Is there 
a prize at the end oh, besides bragging almost, rights? Or well, is there like so most of fantasy leagues? I think you put in like fifty like bucks into in the pot money. or something. Yeah. Gotcha. This is just okay. the Torito fantasy league. Of course, it's not loading on my phone, but um, so it's just kind of fun. Now, Emmy, my uh, mother-in-law, she's undefeated so far. And Whoa. Has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> that would be me. Sometimes that's your advantage. And like yeah. undefeated, like I think she, I think she kicked somebody's butt. One, some. If I could pull it up, I would tell. It's just funny because it's like we have like all of our cute little nicknames in there, and Corey sends like a recap email, and he's like, "Man, Patrick kicked Corey's ass this week," you know. So yeah, <laughs> I don't normally get that into it, but you know, it is kind of fun. It's really fun. It's a nice distraction. It is a nice distraction. Yeah. Um, everything going on in the world. Today. I also do have a quick app recommendation. Just if anybody's interested, uh, there's this app and it's called I am like literally I am. And it's basically words of affirmations for yourself, I think, or affirm. Hopefully I'm saying this right. So like, I just, it'll give you notifications throughout the day. So this one just says, I love myself. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I actually paid for the premium. So I know that the best is yet to come, and that makes me even happier. The past is over. Things like that. I needed some of that positivity in my life. Um, but anyway, thank you, Trisha, again. You're welcome. Thank you. We are going to wrap that up for this week. I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, I think most people probably in um, Louisiana and across the country are familiar with the Susan uh, G. Komen um, organization and foundation and the um, oh Lord. Race for the Cure. Yes, thank you. I was about to say walk to remember, but that's Alzheimer's. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and Race for the Cure. Are they having that this year? You know, I, I honestly could not tell you um, what the plans are as far as that goes. I'm, years ago, I was on the planning committee and, you know, since then have moved on from that. But they usually have it. It's out at LSU. Youth are always having it. It's normally in October. Um but I don't know if a interesting little fun fact while you're looking that up. Yeah. So many, many moons ago, I worked at Chili's, which is a Brinker International Corporation, and Nancy Brinker and Susan G. Komen were sisters. Oh. So unbeknownst to me, in my early, early college days, I actually participated in the race for the cure without ever knowing that I would have any type of impact um, on my life. So that's kind of just a little fun factoid. And then uh, after my mom got diagnosed, we started volunteering, and I actually was the race chair in 2011. How was that? Amazing. Yeah, I was a race chair honor. for a race one. Well, and that, that held a little bit. That was a more special place for your heart. I did a 5K for like 4 and 35, and I was the race chair, and I was like, this feels like another job. I'm not doing this ever again. So. Uh, let's see. It looks like there's a New Orleans one. They had merged some of the local affiliates at one point. Yeah. And also, when I just Googled this, the first thing that did pop up was that one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. I believe it. That's a pretty high percentage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Save those tatas. Go get your mammograms. Um, there's not, they're not that, well, I'm just saying my personal experience. I don't think that they're that bad, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So, all right, everyone. Hope that you have a great week and that the weather will cooperate. Big weekend this weekend. Bye, guys.